0: Uh, but I often find myself making a lot of remember-when statements. Uh, we, we kind of enjoy that as a family. Uh, remember-when, we'll talk about a vacation we took. We'll, we'll talk about some point where one of us does something uh, embarrassing, usually me. And we'll, we'll talk about these remember-when uh, moments. These remember-when moments are often good times. Uh, they're funny experiences, these crazy moments. But, but also, some of these remember-whens are those difficult times We may spend time with people and we'll remember when those things were were hard. Maybe it's just a memory that pops into your mind, but these remember when moments. Uh, I remember when I was a runner and I I did some longer runs and I've been dealing with some knee pain and so I haven't been able to run as much. Uh, I run some 5Ks and so this last, yesterday, uh, the Hazelwood PTA did a 5K and so my son who's eight uh, wanted to run the 5K and so I'm like, okay, I'll run with you on the 5K and so Kate and I, we, we're running the 5K, and we're about a mile into the three-mile run, and Cade looks at me and says, remember when I used to try and stay up with you? <laughs> yeah. And at first, I was like, yeah, and then I was like, hold on, wait a minute. I was like, uh, I'll leave you right now, and uh, you'll be running this on your own. Uh, but this remember when uh, moment, um, sometimes those remember when moments are defining moments in our life meaning it changed the trajectory of our life, that our future looked different because of what happened or what we experienced. They've changed us. So sometimes those remember when moments are defining moments. Uh, I I know this to be true about my own, and I'm, I'm guessing about your past moments, is we often can get stuck there. Uh, in the good moments, it can be the good old days. We, we kind of live in that, what, what life used to look like. We have a hard time letting go of that. However, I think more often we get stuck in the, man, I just, I can't believe I fill in the blank. Or I, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Or I'm not sure my future will ever be the same. And so we can remember those moments in our past and we can get stuck there or sometimes our experiences cause us to live in fear of the future because of what we experienced in the past. A difficult relationship causes us to live in fear of investing in someone else again. Someone gets sick, and so we live in fear of that happening again. Uh, we went to the Valley of Flowers yesterday to the carnival, and there's one ride at the carnival. I beg my daughter specifically not to, uh, to ride. I don't know if you seen it. It's called the Extreme Ride. Here's a, a picture of it. I'm not sure why anyone would ride it, um, but... Uh, about two years ago in Ohio, this exact ride had an accident. And it clipped, uh, there was something that had corroded and it, one of the carts came off and a young man was, was killed in it. And so every time I see that, that is the moment I have in my mind, right? Right. This thing has probably run hundreds, if not thousands of times, but I stand at the foot of this ride, and all I can think of is that moment. I've seen it. I've seen the video of it happening, and so I've begged my daughter, just, you can ride anything else. Just don't ride that ride. I live in fear of what could happen. I, I begin to create my own story of the future, right? And so we can often do that in our lives. We have these moments in our past, and it begins to make us wonder, well, can my future look different because of what I have experienced? Uh, Last week, we started the series Defining Moments, and we're looking at the 40 days after Jesus' resurrection. Uh, Easter is great. We celebrate what happens on Good Friday and Easter, but then there's this period where Jesus comes back for about 40 days, appears to about 500 people on like 12 occasions. And these are some defining moments for those people but I also think they're defining moments for us. I think they're defining moments, as I shared last week, for the church. Uh, last week, we looked at Thomas and how Thomas doubted that Jesus really was alive. And in that doubt, he just said, I have to see it for myself. And so he, he finally sees it for himself, and everything changes for Thomas. Right? And we talked about how we don't have to be afraid of our doubt. Let's confront our doubts. Let's create a space where it's okay to say, I'm unsure of what Christianity is all about, or I don't understand this about God. We're going to have a place where it's okay to say that, that we don't have to know everything. That I told you one of the best things you can say is, I don't know. I don't know. And so Thomas's life was changed because of this moment that he has with Jesus. And we're going to look at another encounter. So we've had kind of two encounters. Jesus appears to his disciples. Thomas isn't there. Thomas is left out in that moment. And that's why he says, I have to see it for myself. Thomas then sees Jesus, so we have the second appearance of Jesus, and then we have this third one that happens. Uh, I'm going to read John 20, uh, the end of John 20, but our scripture today is going to be John 21. If you don't own a Bible, there's a red Bible around you somewhere. You can have that Bible. That's our, our gift to you. But the end of John 20, it says this, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And you feel like reading that, close the book, the story is over. Like that is a great ending to the life of Jesus. However, there's more. It kind of feels like it's one of those, like a bonus scene at the end of a movie. I don't know if anyone else sits through all the credits just in case there's like a 20 second clip that points to the next movie, right? You you wait for that. This is what this feels like. Like the book is going to close and then it reopens and there's another defining moment that happens for a guy named Peter. So we're going to look at this, John 21, 1 through 14 first. I'll read that. And then I'll come back and do some teaching and break that down. It says this. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, who we heard about last week, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. Just real quick. I always think it's funny when I read stuff like this. It almost feels like there's this list of importance. And I feel sorry for the guys at the end, right? You have these names, where they're from, who their fathers are. And then there's just these two other guys who happen to be there uh, also. Okay, Verse, that's just me. Verse 3 says this. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out All right, so we have Peter who I feel like is kind of stuck in this moment. Uh, Peter was prominent in the Gospels, the story of Jesus. Uh, Peter was kind of one of the main characters. We, we see Peter doing all kinds of things. Uh, and then we see at the end of Jesus's life before he goes to a cross, Peter denies even knowing Jesus. Jesus actually tells Peter that you're gonna deny me three times. And Peter says, there's no way. Jesus tells him, you you are. And Peter weeps. Peter weeps over this. Now, he's not with Jesus when he's accused. He's not with Jesus when he's beaten almost to death. He's not with Jesus as Jesus goes to the cross. Really, Peter is nowhere to be found. He's not around. So he's extremely prominent early. We don't see him at the end of Jesus' life. And then as Jesus has come back, there isn't much interaction that we've seen yet. Jesus appears, kind of says, hey, I'm really alive, and then Jesus leaves. And we're not sure what happens. We're not sure the timing between Jesus with Thomas and the disciples, and then there's kind of nothing, but Peter is just stuck in this moment. What I think has happened for Peter is Peter is playing in his mind his remember when moment. And for him, he remembers Jesus needing him, wanting him to be with him, and Peter denying even that he knew him. And so for Peter, Peter sees that Jesus is alive, but there's no reconciliation. There's no restoration for Peter. He's living in this moment of maybe even humiliation, of regret. He's feeling ashamed. He's embarrassed. He had failed Jesus. And in his mind, he's thinking, I'm assuming, that this was a huge mistake. Not not just something he did wrong, but, but has this separated him from Jesus? Has this separated him from his purpose that Jesus had given him? Peter decides to go back to what he was doing before he encountered Jesus for the first time. See, Peter grew up not good enough to go to the right schools. Uh, Peter couldn't get into the Jewish uh, schools to become a rabbi. So Peter learned from his father what it meant to be a fisherman. So Peter's future was gonna be in fishing until he has this experience with Jesus when Jesus calls him out of that and says, I have something different for you. But I think Peter is in this moment where he's still unaware that there's still a chance to live into his purpose. I think Peter believes that, that his moment of doing what God has called him to do is gone. See, he goes back to fishing. This is what he knew. This is what was comfortable. This is what he thought was his future anyways. And so he's just going to go back to doing what he was doing before, even though Jesus had clearly given Peter a purpose. And it was a huge one, like in a really important purpose. He told Peter, I'm going to build my church on you. That you are going to be one of the main reasons that the movement that Jesus was starting is going to spread. It is going to be built on you, Peter. And then he says, even the, church, even the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's pretty significant. <laughs> I mean, if, if that is what Jesus is telling me, I'm thinking, okay, I've got to do everything right from this moment on. But Peter didn't. But Peter denied Three, once, okay, you know, he makes the mistake once. Three times Peter says, no, I don't know him. I wasn't with him. And so I think Peter's living in this moment of, well, my my future's over, so I'm just gonna go back. I'm just gonna go back to what I was doing anyways. And so they go out to fish and they catch nothing. They catch nothing. Have you ever, I don't know what your life looks like. I don't know if you, as a follower of Jesus, I know not everyone in the room would say they are, but if you are, have you ever slipped back into your before Jesus moments? Like things become difficult and maybe you've aligned yourself with maybe some unhealthy people, but you've, you've come to this moment where you kind of go back. Like things weren't going well and you're like, I don't even know what the point is anymore. And so you just kind of slip back into your before Jesus days. And then when you slip back into those before Jesus days, you just realize, man, there's no joy in this. There's no fruit in this. There's no hope in this. And so Peter goes back to what he's always done and he fishes all night and he catches nothing. There's no fruit to his labor. And then there is someone who appears on the shore and this voice calls out, friends, haven't you any fish? So just real quickly, a couple things. Uh, Some translations have this as children. So children or friends, it is a, call of adoration to those who are on the boat Um, it is a call from jesus to his children and he says haven't you caught anything now if i'm on the boat with peter uh, i probably feel like this guy is rubbing it in right that i've been out here all night there is no fish that have been caught does he know who we are we are fishermen right i don't need this guy on the shore to tell me what i've done or not done and so Peter, I'm assuming, uh, probably gets to this point where he's wondering who this guy is telling him, uh, or pointing out that he's caught nothing. But this is what I, I always find interesting about Jesus. If you read the story of Jesus, he's always asking questions he already knows the answer to. He, he does this often. Uh, who are you looking for? Right? He, he already knows, and he asks these questions. If you're a parent, you know what this is like. Uh, You ask your kids things you already know the answer to, right? Did you hit your sister, right? Not that I've ever had to ask that, but just uh, possibly asking those questions. Did you sneak and eat the candy, right? You've already found the wrapper. You've already seen the chocolate on their face, right? And what you're hoping in that moment is that they could just be honest, right? Because what you're wanting for them to do is to begin to reflect of where they're at to become an honest person in their mind and in their current situation. And I think this is what Jesus is doing with Peter. Peter, have you got anything? And then from there, he instructs them, hey, just try the other side of the boat, right? There's no fish on that side. All the fish are on the other side. What's really interesting is this has already happened once for Peter. In Luke five, when Jesus first calls Peter to follow him, Peter is fishing. He's having a rough night and he calls Peter to throw his nets into a different area and Peter pushes back. He pushes back. And this one we don't see Peter push back. He says throw your nets on the other side and maybe out of desperation, maybe just willing to do whatever it could could, could get him fish. He throws the nets on the other side of the boat and he catches 153 fish and immediately it says the one whom jesus loved which is john who's writing this if you've never heard that before the author of this gospel is john Um, and so he calls himself the one whom jesus loved when he writes which is honestly is one of the uh, most brilliant things in the scriptures that i often read is how he sees himself as the one whom jesus loves Side note but so john uh, john says it it's the Lord. That this is Jesus. Jesus is standing on the shore. And then you see Peter do something radical. Uh, Peter jumps out of the boat. Now, in my mind, I'm guessing the boat could have got to the shore before Jesus could have swam to the shore. But in this moment, Peter's like, I'm not waiting on anybody else. I'm I'm not waiting for someone else to get me to Jesus I'm doing it in my own power and my own strength. I'm getting to Jesus now. And in this moment, he wants to be near to the one he had walked away from. So I think Peter simply, maybe for the most part, just realizes that's who I want to be with, and he swims to him. But maybe there's more. As you read scripture, part of what I do is I read commentaries, and I read different things, and I pray, and I think there was maybe more that's going on for Peter here. Because I know there would be more for me. I wonder if in this moment, Peter is trying to prove himself to Jesus. Uh, Peter believes that his future is not what it was going to be, because he's messed up too much. And so Peter, maybe in these moments, thinks, I need to show Jesus how much I wanna be with him. I need to prove to Jesus can still do it. And so Peter swims the 100 yards, roughly, to get back to Jesus. And so I wonder if Peter in his brokenness and in his regret, his defining moment when he remembers that he hasn't done so well lately, that he'll just work himself back to Jesus. So even it says that the fish, when Jesus says to go get the fish, I can see Peter pushing the other disciples away, and he goes and gets the net. Of fish, 153, and he alone drags them back up to Jesus. But this is what I love. When Peter makes it to the shore, Jesus doesn't need his fish. He doesn't need anything that Peter's bringing to him. He gets to the shore to this fire where fish is already cooking. It's great, Peter, that you swam all this way. It's great, Peter, that you've caught all these fish and you've brought them to me. I don't, I don't need it. I just need you. And then there's this invitation. Would you just come and have breakfast with me? Would you just come and be with me? This is so significant in the scriptures and and I think in our lives as well. There is something powerful to have a meal with someone. When you invite someone into your home, you're saying, I wanna be be with you. It it is a sign of saying, "I, I want friendship with you. And I would encourage you, just as this could be an action plan, would you just have meals with people? Would you, just, you don't have to have a beautiful home or a great home. You don't have to be a good cook. Just call someone else and have them cook for you. Just invite people into your home. In, invite people to have a meal with you. There's something that happens. And in the scriptures, this was extremely significant. So much so when Jesus would have a meal with people, the wrong people, he was called a glutton and a drunkard because this is who Jesus was spending time with. This is who Jesus wanted to be with. And so in this moment, Jesus says, look, Peter, I know what you did. I know you abandoned me. I know you didn't want to even admit that you knew me or that you were with me. Would you, just, would you just come and have breakfast with me? It is this invitation to Peter just back into relationship with Jesus. I mean, Peter's history has, has not always been great. Right, there's a moment where Peter says, look, how, how often do I have to forgive someone? How about seven times? Jesus, look how good I am. I'm going to forgive him seven times. Isn't that great? And Jesus says, no, really, you, you should forgive 70 times seven. You should always be forgiving. And I wonder for Peter in that moment, he's like, ah, I thought I was doing good. And, and Jesus is calling me to, to more. And then Jesus wants to wash his feet. And Peter's like, there is absolutely no way that you'll wash my feet. Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, you can have no part of me. Even when Jesus is being uh, arrested, Peter is with him in that moment. And Peter grabs a sword and cuts the ear off of the the soldier. And he gets kind of called out by Jesus. And Jesus heals the soldier. So we see this relationship where Peter just seems like he's just trying to figure it out. And then trying to figure it all out and trying to work himself always to God back into relationship with Jesus, Jesus just simply says, would you just come and have breakfast with me? He doesn't need anything from Peter. He just wants Peter. I think maybe sometimes we find ourselves in this moment. I think we believe God loves us. If you don't, I I hope that maybe that's the only thing you'll take away this morning, is I believe that God as a good father deeply loves you. He knows you fully and loves you completely, right? And so I think, I think a lot of us have settled into that, and we, we believe that he loves us. I think a lot of us even believe that he forgives us, right? He, he forgives us. We, we've done wrong. We go to Jesus. We ask for forgiveness, and he forgives us. We, we even think maybe he has something for our life, that, that maybe he has a purpose for us. However, when we've messed up, when we've failed or something, circumstances change, someone else does something, I think that third one is the one that we often lose. God loves me, he forgives me, but man, I've missed it. I missed that opportunity. I missed the chance of what God had for me. Uh, and and we, we live in this moment of he loves me, he forgives me, but, but now I've just got to kind of do things on my own. And so in that moment, we're, we're continually trying to work ourselves back to him and so in the beginning grace was enough but we're not sure grace will sustain us through those difficult times through those moments where we're searching what our purpose could be i'm not sure we always believe grace is still available there but we see in this story and what i see in our own story is that jesus is just giving an invitation to us to come and to come again see this was the invitation to to peter in the beginning just come and follow me just come and be with me. The invitation hasn't changed for Peter. Even though Peter has changed, even though Peter has made some decisions that aren't good, the the invitation is still there to follow him. And so it could end here, right? What a beautiful scene of, of Jesus calling Peter to come back and have this breakfast with him and the book could close and the credits could run but we have a second bonus scene we have a second post credits moment john 21 15 through 18 says this when they had finished eating jesus said to simon peter simon son of john do you truly love me more than these yes lord he said "You, you know that i love you jesus said feed my lambs again jesus said simon son of john do you truly love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. So that, what's interesting in the first one, do you love me more than these no one knows what Jesus is talking about. No, no one's really sure what, what Jesus is asking. What is the these? Right? Some people believe that, that Jesus is asking, do, do you love me more than the other disciples love me? But I think that's not in the character of who Jesus was. What I read and what I believe is, is I think Jesus is pointing to the fishing gear. I think he's pointing to Peter's past. I think he's asking Peter, do you love me more than what's comfortable and safe, the thing that keeps you secure? Are, are, are you going to tell me that you love me more than what you've went back to? And, and Peter answers, of course I do. I, I love you. And so I think for us, I think it could be easy in those moments where because circumstances have changed and things didn't go as we wanted or hoped for or we had this purpose we felt like God had for our lives and because uh, of situations and circumstances, because of our choices, we think we've missed out on those things. And so we've gone back and we've just kind of existed. And, and I think that Jesus would be asking you and me as well, do, do, you, do you love me more than those things? Do, do you love me enough to continue to follow me. And, and Peter responds with the, yeah, you know, I love you. And then there is this statement from Jesus, then feed my lambs. Now, that may sound a little, a little weird, uh, but let, let's just keep going. Uh, he asks again, do, do you love me? And he says, yes. And he says, take care of my sheep. And Jesus asks the third time, do you love me? And I think Peter is hurt because I wonder if in this moment, the third time that Jesus asks if Peter slips back into that moment of denying Jesus for the third time. And so this is what I think Jesus is doing in this moment. I don't, I don't think Jesus is just sugarcoating what Peter had done. I think Jesus is confronting Peter's past. I think, I think Jesus wants Peter to, to see what his moment looked like when he walked away. Not to punish Um, Not to hurt Peter, but but just to show Peter that his purpose is still intact. He wants Peter to acknowledge what happened. And Peter is forced to do that in this moment, to, to acknowledge his failures. But every time, Jesus says, feed my sheep and feed my lambs. So there's this invitation to have breakfast with Jesus that he makes to Peter an invitation for Peter to be in this personal, close relationship with Jesus. However, we now see it moves to a challenge. Right? There's this invitation to Peter, but then there's this challenge to live into the purpose that, that Jesus had given to him, to feed his sheep, to take care of his lambs. So, what he's saying is this word sheep and lambs is a, a word that was taking the, the place of disciples, of the church, of followers of Jesus, so, Jesus is telling Peter, what I asked you to do before, I'm still asking you to do now. I, the purpose hasn't changed for your life, Peter. He gave Peter the, the purpose long before any of this happened, and he is doing it again. Kind of the significant moment that you can picture in your mind. Uh, Peter would have denied knowing Jesus around a charcoal fire. Uh, this is the picture as, as Peter is walking there. There's a, a, a fire where people are surrounded and Jesus walks in, or, uh, Peter walks into that moment with this charcoal fire. And if you've ever sat around a fire, you know the smell of, of that. And we find Peter at the same place with Jesus. He too is sitting around a fire. And I wonder if those smells come back to Peter, if he remembers his past. If in a way Jesus is saying, hey, you remember when? Remember when you didn't want to admit to knowing me? I still love you. I forgive you. But not only that, I still have a purpose for you. Even though you have failed, the purpose isn't lost. Even though you walked away, it's not eliminated. You're not eliminated from being used by God. Peter, I I still have a plan for you. So Jesus is showing his faithfulness to Peter, even when Peter wasn't faithful to Jesus. So Jesus... I think in these moments where he comes back and has this interaction with his disciples, he's not rubbing it in their faces that they walked away, right? Jesus not checking the list and wanting to go find everyone who, who wasn't there for him. He, he doesn't come to do that and show that they are wrong. I think he shows them that they're loved. I think that's the purpose of this, is to come and show that they are deeply loved, So have you ever found yourself in the same position as Peter, that you've had to work yourself back to Jesus, that you felt like you've let God down too many times, too often, that there's no way he would still use you to do anything significant, that maybe you went back to an old way of doing life when times got hard? This doesn't have to be something significant. This could be simply you just begin trusting yourself. Right early on, you trusted God with everything, and then things change, and you just begin to be self-sufficient, and you just trust yourself more and more. You made promises, I'll never, I'll never, but you didn't follow through with that. And you thought there was no chance of fulfilling what you knew God had put into your life as your purpose. Some of you maybe have given up. Again, you know God loves you, you know that you've been forgiven, but you've just kind of given up on what God wanted to do in your life. You've just lost that opportunity. And so you're going to exist, you're going to do the best that you can, but, but you haven't really believed that God had something for you. You at some point wanted to start something. You had a desire to start something for the community, for the church, for your family, for someone in need, but then something happened. You wanted to volunteer somewhere, and in the busyness of life and you feel like maybe I'm not good enough or could I really help anyone there and so you just feel like maybe that's not a part of your purpose anymore or where you work you just feel like there's no purpose to it it's just a paycheck I'll just go and put my hours in but I'm not getting anything from it and sometimes there's things that aren't your fault like someone else did something circumstances situations you were headed in the right direction and then kind of the the feeling of the the rug being pulled out from underneath you and and what you knew you were supposed to do, you just think, oh, I can't do that now. And so you've given up on something. God just encourage you. He loves you. Forgives you and you have purpose to your life. And so what are you doing or why are you doing what you do? Right? When you went in to teach, there was a purpose to it. You knew that God called you into that and you were doing it on purpose. And things have gotten tough, and things haven't worked like you wanted, and so now you're just doing it because that's what you've always done. You have purpose there, or starting a business, or maybe you work in the health field, or construction, or you're a homemaker. What is it? There's probably something that God has put on your heart, and for some reason maybe you've walked away, believing that that's not a part of your purpose anymore. And I just want to challenge you. I just want to challenge you that I think, Jesus would stand before you and invite you to breakfast, but also challenge you to what he's called you to do. So you may be tempted to solely depend on your own actions, tempted to go back before Jesus when things uh, get hard. Maybe you'll be tempted to prove your worth to God, or maybe you'll be tempted to just exist and not live into what God has for you. But I don't think that's what God wants. I think the defining moment for all of us is to sit in this place where we understand that God is inviting us. He's inviting us into something more, but he's also challenging us. It's an invitation into relationship, but it's a challenge to live on purpose. That you are gifted and talented. God has created you for a reason. And then it is part of our responsibility to begin to flesh out what that looks like. And to ask God, God what, what is the purpose of all of this? What do you want me to do? What does it look like for me to love you and to love people and everything? Well, Greg's gonna come and we're gonna close with our our final song. There's a guy named uh, Foster. Is his last name. He's an author. Um, And in his book, he he talks about unleashing the power of second chances. Uh, I just wanna encourage you today as we close uh, that I believe that God is the God of second chances. Uh, If you read in the Gospels, there's a story where there is a lost sheep and a lost coin and a lost son. Uh, Really, the story is about how all three of those things are valued in the eyes of their owner and how the owner will do all they can to find them. Um, You are deeply loved. You are deeply loved by God, and there is nothing you have done that could separate you from that love. And I believe there's nothing that you have done that could separate you from the purpose that he has for your life. Would you stand as I pray? God, thanks for today. Thanks for the challenge that you put on our lives. Lord, it's not always easy. Um, Sometimes it's it's difficult to figure out what you've called us to do. And, And I know for myself that there's times where I feel like I've missed something because I have made poor decisions. So God, would you encourage us today? Would you help us to believe that you are inviting us into this relationship, but you also are challenging us? You've called us to something. I believe there are a few uh, people in this room today who have something on their heart or their mind that they know that you've asked them to do. They've thought they've missed that opportunity and I pray that today as they walk out of this place that they'd be re-energized, that they would believe that that promise isn't just something in their past, but it's something that you've called them to. Would you help us to, to see that? Thank you for your love in our lives. I pray that you'd use us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.